reading tonight from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. I think I can say on behalf of all of us on the stand here tonight, for we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everybody's included. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Tonight, my faith is in Jesus Christ. And I'm here tonight to lift up Jesus Christ to you as the Savior of the world. He is a good God to serve. He has been faithful in my life in the lives of the people who are sanctified here tonight, sanctified out in the congregation tonight, we're serving a good God. He is faithful and He is good. If this is your first time here tonight, or if you've been here a, a thousand times, you're welcome in the house of God tonight. We're glad that you are here. It's not by accident. Uh, God is good, and I believe He directs all of our lives. He guides us. He leads us. So I'm really thankful for everybody who's in the house tonight. I ask you would pray for me as I read God's words. Um, I've had a thought on my mind uh, since before I left Raleigh. It was a couple weeks ago. Um, Brother Steve started a song. It's not sung a lot, I don't think. I, I, but it's uh, could we sing it, Brother Steve? It's um, Jesus saves. It's on page 166 of the White Book. If everybody would turn to that. Jesus saves.
Jesus is still in the saving business tonight. Wonderful Savior that we have. Let me continue reading in the book of Romans. I'd like to uh, read several scriptures tonight um, about the saving grace of Christ, what he saves us from. And I'd also like to, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy Brother Thomas's portrait that he painted the other night of the ship. And... Uh, I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but I, I have a similar portrait in my mind I'd like to try to paint tonight. Let me read in verse 18. It says, and this is explaining why we need the gospel of Christ, why we need the salvation. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And don't we see that today? Paul was writing to the Roman people, but don't we see this in our land today? People are steeped in sin and hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God is in control, it's obvious. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. God is uncorruptible. Into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We need a Savior. Man left to his own devices will fall into the abyss and pits of sin every time. Every time. Sin does so easily beset us, as the Bible says. And it will overtake us. It will overpower us. And we don't have the strength to fight it on our own. And we will, yes, the carnal mind is a very strong force. It is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So we find a, a world that is steeped in sin, in evil. And part of what I'm reading tonight is not pretty scripture necessarily, but I think it needs to be said. It needs to be said plainly. Our young folks need to understand that we need a Savior to save us from these sins. And the Bible is clear. It sets a, 
a standard. It sets a line. It gives us something to to know that we're right by. It creates a standard for us. As Brother Thomas, who is one of my heroes in the faith, I don't know if I ever told him that, but I just always respected him so much. And he preached the other night, and I have been thinking about that sermon and that portrait he painted. And I feel like God gave me a little portrait too, and I don't want to, I'm going to create another portrait, Brother Thomas, but it's the same boat. (laughs) It's the same ship. What I kind of see, I see a huge ocean. And I see on that ocean a ship called the Old Ship of Zion. And it is a massive, powerful, towering ship, as he described. It is manned by thousands and thousands of sanctified sailors. It's got a good compass. This is the compass right here. This is what guides us, the Holy Bible. That's our compass. King Jesus is our captain. And he's on board. The sailors are all dressed in white uniforms. I can see it on the sh- I can see it. The ship is clean. The sailors are clean. The ship is powerful. And it's moving through this ocean. Where my picture is a little different from Brother Thomas's. His was man overboard. Man overboard. Search and rescue. Beautiful. I see hundreds and hundreds of people in the water. I see people in sin, bobbing up and down in the waves, treading water, trying to keep their nose above the water, trying to survive, while this great ship is right there in the midst of them. But there are literally thousands and thousands of people that are bobbing up and down in this sea of sin. But here's the, here's the pretty part of this picture. I see two things. Well, more than two things. I see Jesus standing up there on the ship. And I see Him giving the orders to throw out the lifelines. Throw out the lifelines. Throw out the lifelines out the front, out the back, out both sides of the boat. And I believe, I asked Brother Harvey today how tall that was. He said it's about 100 feet from the top of that deck on most of those naval ships he was on, about 100, 120 feet down to that water. But I see lifelines being thrown out everywhere. And I believe that Jesus is having that done. I believe lifelines are constantly going out. I'm throwing a lifeline out to you tonight. Brother Patrick threw one out this afternoon. Brother Josh, in closing, threw another lifeline out. Lifelines are being thrown out. It's hitting the water. But what's bothering me is I don't see many people grabbing the life preservers and being pulled to safety. And it would kind of discourage us at some times. But I believe Jesus would tell us not to be discouraged. I believe He would say, keep throwing out the lifeline. There are some who will grab them. There are some who want to be saved, who want to be rescued from this sea of sin. Keep throwing out the lifeline. And then the last thing I see, I see a bunch of little lifeboats all out there connected to the big ship. And I can just see it. I can see the names on those boats. I was laying there in bed this morning. I was thinking about this. I said, I see, I see a boat named Jemison. 
Brother Harvey said there's, they probably have 120 of these little inflatable boats. And when somebody gets in trouble, they pop those lifeboats off. And then I think he said just a matter of seconds, those boats just poof and, and inflate. And I can just see sanctified sailors. I, I believe all of our churches are throwing out lifelines. I believe in Jemison, in Leesburg. Lifeboats, yes. Uh, in all of our crowds, I see us throwing out the lifeline. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying to rescue the dying and those that are in this sea of sin, bobbing up and down. And I see them, this is not pretty, but I see them sun scorched. I see them covered with the slime of sin, with seaweeds wrapped all around their bodies, um, in bad shape. But the good news is, the ship's right there. The Savior's on board. There's lifelines everywhere. Reach out. You've got to reach out and grab the lifeline, though. Let me read you a little bit about these sins that these people are caught up in. It says, for this 26th verse, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat, indecent things. But Jesus saves from that. Yes, yes. Jesus saves from that. Amen. He's fully capable. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a mind with no morals, no morality, to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. Some of these things seem so bad. The ocean of sin. It, it's a mess out there. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bad place to be. You're better off on the boat. Being filled with all unrighteousness. You know, when I look at murder, that looks a whole lot worse to me than just speaking evil to malign somebody. It seems like it's worse. But they're all sin. They're all grouped together. It's still a sin. Fornication. Illicit relationship with one you're not married to. Wickedness. Covetousness. Oh, the devil uses that one all the time. I want what... This man has, or this man has, covetousness. It's all part of that sea of sin. Maliciousness. Going to get somebody. Going to injure them. You know, going to hurt them. Full of envy. Wanting what somebody else, you admire the qualities they have, or you admire their success, and you want it. You want what they have. Murder. That's taking someone's life. Debate. Quarreling, contentious. That's all part in that sea of sin. Jesus forgives that too. Whisperers. Talking, talking behind the back, you know. He goes on, he's used whispers, then he moves to the next verse. Backbiters. Those that will 
try to hurt you when you're not there. Backbiting. It's wrong. It's sinful. But God can forgive it. God has the grace. God has the power to forgive all these things. Despiteful. Proud. Proud? Yes, pride. Pride will take you down. Boasters. Inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents. That's cutting close. Without understanding. Covenant breakers. Not doing what you say you're going to do. Without natural affection. Forsaking those you are responsible for. Implacable. Just constantly in enmity and in fighting and backbiting and refusing to stop. (laughs) Just keep going. Unmerciful. Unmerciful. These are all in the sea of sin. But the good news is there is a Savior who can more than handle all of this stuff. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. That's why Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. I can't save anybody else. But God can. He sent a Savior. He sent Jesus to be our mediator. He's the one who can forgive us. He's the one who can keep us. He's the one who sanctifies us and empowers us and gives us the strength to live a holy life every day. We need a Savior. And I'm not ashamed of it. (laughs) I'm thankful for that Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. It's not gonna be there. The boat is clean. Jesus sees to it. The sailors are going to be clean. Now, now, does God work with those that are newly sanctified, that are learning? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me just tell you something. Before you feel like I'm preaching at you or something, I am preaching. I, I hope somebody responds to the Word of God. But let me tell you, you see this pretty group of people up here? 
they were all sinners too. You know what? I was too. I really needed washing. I really did. I won't talk about anybody else, but I needed washing. I will talk about one other. I'll talk about Brother Thomas. I've heard his testimony so many times. It's a beautiful testimony. But God delivered him when you were, what, 30, 30 years old. And he, I think you were headed to a party or something uh, that night. And uh, talks about drinking and stuff. He got His life was caught up in that stuff. But thank God God called him and he responded. And that lifeline was thrown out and he grabbed it. And look at what God has done with his life. He's been a blessing to many, to many because he responded to the call of God. Thank the Lord for that. Last verse I'll read in this chapter. And such were some of you. <laughs> such were some of you. Didn't say are. Were. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's how we get it, folks. There's two works because in the plan of salvation, because you're dealing with two things. You're dealing with the sins you've committed. You have to repent of those things. And it says that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will sanctify you when your sins are forgiven, when the temple of your heart is cleaned out, then God can move in with His Holy Spirit power and He can give you the strength so that you can live a sanctified, holy life for the rest of your life. We get up every day. We trust God for that day. We commit our lives till the end, till we're in heaven. But we have to live one day at a time. And we have to trust God each day, have faith in God each day, and God takes us just beautifully to a home in heaven. It's a great way to live. It's, it's a wonderful way to live. I highly recommend it. Let me read you what, uh, this is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, if you want to follow along. Paul was writing to a young minister who was going to continue preaching the word of God when Paul was gone. And he tells him in the third verse, I besought thee to abide, still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That's right. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So do. Let's stick to the basics that change people's lives. Let's stick to the solid doctrine of Christ and leave off these other questions that may bog us down. Let's stick to the, to the simple truth that God delivers people from sin. This song says we often talk of heaven and that's good. We talk of loving others and we should and we do. But to a dying world, the greatest thing that we can say is take a look at Calvary. Jesus saves. That's the message. That's the message of our church. I love that part of the chorus. It says Jesus saves. He still does. He'll make of you someone new. Cleanse the sin that was. Sin is in the past when God forgives you. 
the sins are cleaned up and God cleanses that carnal nature out when he sanctifies us. When that Holy Spirit fire moves in, we are filled with God's spirit. We're filled with his power and no more must you be enslaved. Just believe it. Jesus saves. Jesus saves tonight. Goes on down, ninth verse. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. This is, this is vile stuff, but Jesus can forgive it. Yes, he can. It's amazing to me. For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, those who have given false witness to injure somebody else, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. This gospel has been committed to our, our trust. And we are trying our best to throw the gospel lifeline out to you, to come out in the lifeboats and throw out the life preservers to you. Will you accept it? I can't imagine. I, 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 I could envision us looking over the rails and throwing out the lifelines. And so many people were out there around the boat and the life preservers were almost hitting them in the head. And people said, no, 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 thank you. I, I, I don't need to swim away from the life preserver. I, I'm good like I am. I'm good like I am. Treading water. You know, Brother Patrick talked about it today. You know, I'm comfortable. I'm just, you know, my whole family's out here. We're all comfortable here. Man, I mean, you know, come on. It's time to grab the life preserver, folks. This is a matter of life and death. People are dying. People are sinking. People are perishing out there. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before? Now this is Paul's testimony. Great preacher, one of the greatest preachers ever lived on the face of this earth. I was a blasphemer. I spoke evil of sacred things. I spoke against the things of God. That's right. I resisted God. I fought God. Some of us have done that too. But he was a blasphemer and a persecutor. He persecuted Christians. He persecuted sanctified folks. Put some in prison. Put some to death. And God struck him down when he was headed to get some more Christians. And called him. He said, and I was injurious. He injured a lot of folks. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace, yes, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. If I don't want y'all to listen to all this sin stuff, well, he just talked all about all that sin stuff. I'm talking about Jesus saves and all that stuff. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. Do you know what will happen tonight if yeah. you truly grab the lifeline yes. and the boat pulls you to where Jesus is at this altar? 
or make an altar at your seat, do you know what will happen? There will be abundant grace. There will be abundant mercy. There's enough mercy to forgive you for whatever you've done. This man killed Christians. He killed sanctified folks. But God called him and God forgave him. God empowered him and he became a great preacher for God. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He says, of whom I am chief. I, I believe he honestly felt that way. I believe he really felt that way. Would you trust this guy? If he was this new convert, Paul, who was named Saul, was coming to preach in your congregation? And you heard he's killed how many Christians, how many sanctified people have died at this man's hand? He had a tough road to hope. God made it work. God made a way. And he went on and wrote many letters. We're reading them tonight. Passing the word along, passing the lifeline along that Jesus saves from whatever sin you've committed. Whatever sin. God's grace, God's mercy is so much bigger. It's bigger than any problem you have tonight. If you're sanctified and you've got an issue, you've got a problem, give it to Jesus. Give it to the Savior. He's got the power to, to help you with it. He's got, we, we have limited power. We have some power. We help people all the time. But let me tell you, it's nothing like what God can do. It's nothing what, like, what God can do in the inner man when He whispers that encouragement to you, when He whispers continue to you. You ever had that? You know what? I'm, I'm just you're troubled, and God whispers that sweet peace to your soul, and man, it just it gives you the boost you need. Yeah. It gives you the energy you need to keep going. God is good. He says, "How be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him." to life everlasting. If Jesus Christ can forgive and sanctify this murderer, He can certainly handle your case and my case. He can handle it. It's not a problem. Let me wrap up with these two passages here. This is in Titus chapter 3. He's writing to another young minister here. He says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. I've been foolish before, you know. Disobedient. Deceived. Serving divers' lust and pleasures. These are common things that people get caught up in. Living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Very bad place to be in. It's not of God. 
but, but he can save it. He can save you from it. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. To regenerate is to make something new. To produce something new. And that is what God does in us when we surrender our will to Him. He makes us new on the inside. You know what? When I got sanctified, I still looked basically the same. My hair was the same and you know my skin, I was the same. But man, I was different inside. And it changed my viewpoint. It changed my perspective. I walked out the next morning on the back porch. I looked up. I was young. I looked up. And man, the sky just looked brighter and prettier. I, I, it's just amazing what God can do when you, when you surrender, when you let Him have you. <laughs> Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We have nothing to boast of. You know, when you're sanctified, you have nothing to boast of, but you're thankful for what God's done for you. But according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to to the hope of eternal life. And that is my hope tonight. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's where my trust is. That's where my future is for my... Hope of eternal life, it's all lies in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful to be on that ship of Zion with those that are sanctified. We want to give a hearty welcome tonight. If you are not safe in the ship of Zion, if you are out treading water in that sea of sin, we invite you on board. Jesus gives an invitation for you to come aboard. That's right. We want you to come. That's right. You need to get out now. Yeah, Don't right. put it off. Don't stay in the water. You, may, you may perish before there's another chance. Grab the lifeline. Grab the preserver. Grab the hand of the sanctified folks in the lifeboats that come by. Reach out. Reach out for help. God help. God help me. Save me, Jesus. He will help you. Yes, he will. Let me close with this scripture from Hebrews chapter 4. It says, for the word of God is quick, it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Man can't cut that close. And of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. He knows all about you. He knows all about me. He says that the very hairs of our head are numbered. <coughs> he knows more about me than I know about me. Yes, he does. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked. They're open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Listen to this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly He's giving you an invitation to come boldly. You don't have to sheepishly come to God. He says, come boldly to me. To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's given you a golden invitation to come to His throne of grace tonight. We're going to close the service with prayer tonight. We're going to have a family prayer. And I want to encourage you that are sitting in the congregation tonight. First of all, if you're not sanctified, listen to the voice of God. Reach out and grab one of the life preservers that God has thrown to you. Grab it. Let Jesus pull you to safety tonight. Secondly, I want to encourage the sanctified sailors here and out there. If there's somebody you love tonight, if there's somebody you know is treading water and out in the sea of sin, who needs maybe just an encouraging word or help to get to the altar, please help them tonight. Please reach out and help them tonight. It is the duty of every sanctified sailor to help those that are lost. It's our job. It's our responsibility to do it. And I also want to further encourage you, as we go back home, I hope that we can really get in the lifeboats. And in all of our congregations, I think we have, I don't know, 17, 18 places we have churches. Let's put the lifeboats out from those churches. Let's put the lifeboat out. You know, I've been encouraged by a lot of the young, what the young folks are doing. Brother Matt Simons came to Raleigh and talked about things that they were trying. I applaud those efforts. Yes. I applaud those efforts. And uh, what the churches are doing on the Internet, uh, re- you know, outreach, I applaud that too. Uh, let's, let's, get the, let's get the word out when we yes. get back to our, our individual crowds. But let me bring it down to you tonight and say this in closing. Do you realize that with all of the efforts that people that love you can do, It is to no avail if you choose 
to just shun the help. It does no good. We could throw a thousand life preservers out there. But you've got to grab it. You've got to grab it. You've got to cling to it. You've got to say, pull me to safety, Jesus. You're the one that has to do it. That's how we did it. That's how each of us got in. Now, we might have received encouragement from a brother or a sister. But we had to grab the preserver and do something about it. I just want to encourage you tonight. I love you tonight. I love everybody here. It's not God's will that anybody would perish. It's just not God's will. His will is that we would all be sanctified and make it safely to a home in heaven. But it's up to you. It's up to you. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I want to encourage you one more time. If God's working with your heart or if you just know you're lost, come to Jesus. There's power to forgive your sins, to sanctify you tonight. God can change your life if you'll surrender and you'll let Him. Everyone please stand as we sing a song of invitation.